We are in the final week of this series, which has been called Road Trip. And through this series, we've been talking about the journeys that we take. We've been talking about uh, going places, about going places we didn't expect to like, going places we expected to like and didn't, and how that can change along the way, how our lives can change along the way, how no matter how much we plan out our life, no matter how much we think will happen, something can change. But that doesn't mean that your life is a failure. It doesn't mean that everything sucks. It means that God will still talk to you through that. He will still help you to find something. Uh, no matter where you go, he will help you. We've talked about Abram and how he went away from home and how he was scared, but God was with him. Even when he messed up, God forgave him and was with him. We talked about Moses, who was a murderer and yet still was used, still followed, even though he ran away. Uh, he, he still, God was with him and helped him to come back. He helped him to make up for it. And, and this week, we are talking about what happens when you don't go anywhere, when you feel like you're stuck, when you feel like things aren't moving, when you feel like there's nowhere to go, when you feel like nothing is happening in your life, when you feel like everybody is just, everything is always just the same. And so I'm going to read from Acts chapter 28, verses 17 through 31. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government. Even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, the Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested this decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. So basically, this is Paul explaining to the other Jewish leaders uh, why he is there. Paul had been arrested a few times in his life. Uh, we spoke about Paul last week and how his life took a complete change from what he expected. He expected to be like one of the top Pharisees ever, probably. Uh, he expected to be somebody who was there at the forefront of stopping Christianity, of stopping Jesus. And halfway down the trip, down the road, uh, Jesus stops him. And he's like, hey, you need to serve me. I am giving you this chance. And Paul took it. Paul had a lot of flaws in his life, but he took it, he accepted it, and he ran with it. And so if you look through Acts, if you look through everything that Paul did, he started churches. He went to different continents in you know, Europe and Asia. He went to uh, different areas. He trained disciples. He helped the disciples. He, he uh, wrote letters of encouragement and help to churches that either he had started or someone else had. And he was always kind of the leader like after Jesus and and Peter like Paul was right there at the forefront of moving Christianity forward it was the opposite of what he expected but he did everything he could to serve Christ he did everything he could to help others he did everything he could to stand up for what he believed in and so as he did that uh, the people who hated Jesus also hated him because Jesus said in his messages uh, hey they're gonna hate you because they hate me and if they hate me they're gonna hate you because you follow me because you're like me and so people hated Paul a lot of people like we talked about last week probably still didn't trust him even into his old age but as you listen to him you couldn't help but hear Jesus. When you are confronted with true good, when you are confronted with Jesus, when you are confronted with someone who is real, who is showing Christ to the world, you feel it and you know it. No matter what else happens, you know it. And so even someone who doesn't believe will recognize that. Now, they may not come to Christ right then, but they will recognize it. And so with Paul, that was his life. And so as he went, 
The Jewish leaders were out to get him just like they were out to get Jesus. Uh, the Romans were out to get him just like they were out to get Jesus. And so finally he got arrested for the final time. He had lived a pretty good life. And so he's telling the Jewish leaders here like, hey, I'm stuck here. This is the end of my life where I'm going to be for however long. I am chained to this place. I am not going to be able to move. Now, for any of us, it would suck to not be able to leave your house. Like if you're grounded or uh, you, you can't go anywhere because it's storming or it's just really, I guess those are really the main two examples. But any reason that you can't leave, uh, you, you're stuck in your house and you have nowhere to go, you have nothing to do, you have no money to spend, whatever the reason, uh, that would suck. And it would suck to just have the same four walls every day and just the same existence every day. And so for us, we understand that. But for Paul, he had traveled everywhere. He had gone to see churches work. He had gone to heal people, to help people. He had gone to preach the message of Jesus everywhere. He had been all over the, the known world at the time. And so not only was he stuck like we would be, he was stuck knowing what was out there. And so he was stuck only being able to communicate with churches by letter because uh, there weren't cell phones, there weren't video feeds on Facebook, uh, there, there weren't anything like that. They had Stonebook at the time, but it wasn't as good and it took a long time to get to you. And so uh, it, it was this situation where he knew what he was missing. A lot of us, like I said, we feel stuck because you're in high school, you're in middle school, and you're not allowed to go anywhere, and you don't have your license yet, and your parents say no, and all of this, but you don't really know yet everything that is out there. You haven't been through college, you haven't been through adulthood, all of those things. Paul knows all of that, and so he's telling the Jewish leaders, I'm stuck here. Now, he could have reacted in a couple ways. He could have said, this sucks. I really don't want to talk to you guys because this sucks. I'm stuck here. I want to go there. I want to be out there. I want to live my life. And if he'd said that, the Jewish leaders and everybody else that listened to him would be like, who does he think he is? He thinks he's better than me. I can't believe that I had thought this guy was awesome. But what he does is say, hey, I'm here and I'm chained, but I'm not giving up. I'm still going to fight through this. I'm still going to, to lead for Christ. I'm still going to teach, even if I have to teach from my own home. I'm still going to pray, even if I have to pray with whoever comes to see me. I'm still going to help, even if I have to help through other people. And so he did that, because how you react to where you are matters. As I said last week, your life plans could change, and how you react to that matters. Let's say that you apply to a college, and it's your dream school, Indiana University, the greatest school in the world, and it's like, this is the dream. This is better than Ivy League. This is amazing. They have, a wonder, they have the best men's soccer team of all time, and it's so cool to go here, and you apply, and then they send back, and you're like, eh, sorry. You're, you're not allowed to go here. That, they'd say it in a different way probably, but it's like you can't go here. And then you're like, oh man, I didn't apply it anywhere else. I'm stuck here. I really expected to go to college. I really expected my life to start, but I'm stuck here. I, I have to work. I have to do whatever, but I can't do what I want to do. And you can treat that as like a failure and as a defeat. And it's like, well, I give up. Nothing's ever going to be good again. Man, today sucks. So every day going forward is going to suck. Like that's how life's going to be forever. Or you can say, you know what, this does suck. This hurts, and I really expected this, but I'm going to make the most with where I am. If I'm stuck in this town, if I'm stuck at this home, if I'm stuck in this job, I'm going to do the best I can to be the best example. And it doesn't mean you're always going to be there. Now, Paul was, 
but it means that you do the best with what you have with where you are. And so Paul was doing that, even though he would much rather have been out walking around, talking, doing everything he had done. He didn't allow being stuck physically to get him stuck mentally, to get him stuck emotionally, to to get him stuck spiritually. The next part, they replied, we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. A couple important things there. Uh, He spoke from the scriptures, from the the same text that the Jewish people felt were holy. Uh, he, He talked about how Jesus was the Messiah by going from what they understood. He understood where they were coming from. He understood what they believed. He cared about what they believed. And so he spoke about what he believed from that perspective. He didn't just say, this is what I believe. You're going to listen to me. He didn't just say, I'm right and you're going to deal with it. Now we all hate when people say that to us. If somebody says, and sometimes it's parents, but not often. If somebody says, I'm right and I'm the adult and you do what I say. We hate that. Adults hate that. And I got news for you. Kids say that to the parents just as much like, I know, I'm 18, I know everything there is to know. Like, we all kind of do that at one time or another. And Paul could have done that, but he said, listen, let me tell you what I believe by talking about what you believe, because he cared. And so he's in this room in his house, stuck, like I said, and all of the leaders are listening to him. And it says some of them believed, and that's awesome. When you are an example for Christ, when you serve him, when you help others, when you invite them to church, when you invite them to back to school bash, to fall retreat, to youth group, when you ask them to come and be a part of this, when you tell them your testimony, when you tell them about Jesus, some of them will say, okay, I get it, cool. And they'll come, they'll say yes, they'll change their lives. But it also says some of them didn't. Some of them, Paul, who was one of the greatest preachers, greatest missionaries, greatest writers of all time, some of them did not listen to him. And they said, I don't care what he says. And they walked out. You will not have a 100% success rate. I will tell you that right now. You can give everything you have and everything you are to Christ, which I encourage you to do. But there will be people, no matter how good you do, no matter how many amazing things you do, no matter how right you are, there will be people that turn away from you and say, I don't care. And that hurts. And believe me, as a pastor, that that sucks to know that there are people that just won't listen, especially when you know, man, this is so important. It's so important to love God, to love others, to do good for people. And some people just will not listen. And if they will not listen to Jesus, and they will not listen to Paul, then they're not going to listen to us. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll never change, because what you do in those cases is not think, man, I failed again. I have, have invited 10 of my friends to church and only one of them has come. That's an awful batting average. Like that's, that's like LeBron James shooting percentage numbers. That's awful. And so he's old and washed up. And so it's, it's like this tough thing where, where you're like, man, that's so much failure, so much rejection. As someone who is trying to get more books published, you get a lot of rejection in your life. And you have some successes, you have some books, you have some uh, yeses, you have some people that like you, some people that don't. And it's easy for me to always focus on the rejection. Like, I preached this morning, and so like a hundred people could have come up to me and said, hey, that was a good message, hey, that was nice, hey, I didn't sleep through all of that, whatever it is. 
And then if one person had come up and said, I didn't like it. I, even knowing what I'm saying to you right now, even knowing, well, I'm doing it for Jesus, not for that person. I'm doing it to, to serve. I would focus on that and I would think, man, what did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? Even though a hundred people said that was pretty good, one person. And it's okay to feel like that, but you cannot let it stop you. So you invite 10 of your friends to church, 10 of your friends to fall retreat, to back to school bash, whatever. And nine of them say no. That is not just nine no's and then they're done forever. That is nine seeds you have planted where you have shown an interest in their life and you have poured love into them and it's not up to you to decide for them. So you've shown care. You've done something with your life, with your example. And so what happens from there, you never know. There are a lot of people who have given everything they have to minister, to get someone to, to find Jesus and they never could quite get it. But then like years later, that person through some string of events they completely understood. My sister, for example, I've talked about Beatrice, my little niece. Not like this, I don't know why I did that. My niece, uh, my sister, uh, for most of her life was not at all a Christian. And by not at all a Christian, I mean she was a Wiccan for a long time. So she not only didn't believe in God, she believed in the opposite of God in many ways. And so she was very far away. And so I would talk to her about it, like when we'd talk, but I didn't beat her in the face with it, which is bad in every way. And so I, I, I would talk, I would answer her questions. My parents would try to set an example, but it was frustrating for them because this is their kid. And so I watched as she went through life and she got married in a, a bad marriage. Uh, they got into drugs and she overdosed and almost died. And so my whole time, I'm like, man, I'm praying for her and I wish that she'd listen to me. And in that moment where she was in the hospital, just clinging to life, she found Christ. Not because of anything I said, although I had planted a seed. Not because of anything my parents said, although they'd planted a seed. But Christ was there. And that's what we're in this for, to help people see him, not to be the ones that convince them. We show them by our actions, by our words. And so she's a Christian now, and she has a little girl being raised in the church. She has a husband who is a Christian, and they have a wonderful family. And, and it wasn't me that did it. It was Jesus, and so that's what Paul is doing here. He absolutely noticed when those people walked out and didn't listen, but he kept going because he's planting seeds and he's doing what's right. You may be stuck where you are. You may be stuck at your age. You may be stuck in whatever life that you have right now, but you are never stuck in terms of impact. You can always do more. You can always be an example. You can always make the most of what you have. Next scripture. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with the final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Israel, uh, through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to the people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that the salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. This is a huge moment actually because until this point most people thought Jesus and Christianity and faith in heaven were just for the Jewish faith. Just for people who understood that. And Paul's like, hey, Jesus told me this is for everybody. This is everybody gets to do this. Everybody gets a part of this. So that's huge. And so Paul, like I said, could have said, man, so many people left and didn't listen to me. I give up. But instead he's like, I'm going to go talk to more people. I can't go anywhere, but I'm going to send my words out. I'm going to send Jesus' message out. And so that's what happens. Now, in, in the part that he quotes from Isaiah, 
sometimes people won't listen no matter what you do. One of the things I said today uh, is, is we worry about popularity and status, but that's decided by other people. You can't control what people are going to think about you. And the pure example of that is Jesus. Jesus did everything right. He always helped everybody. He was always kind. He was always good. He never messed up. He never sinned. He never hurt anyone. And yet people hated him. If you look at his numbers, so to speak, like out of the 12 disciples, one of them didn't go to heaven. One of them didn't listen to him. That's a big deal. And so if everybody didn't listen to Jesus, then we can't hold ourselves to the standard where we have to be perfect. Now that doesn't mean don't try. Please don't get that from what I'm saying. Because what Paul is saying here is, hey, God knows that you are trying. He knows the, the, what your circumstance is. He knows what your life is like. He knows if you're stuck in this, this feeling of anxiety. That's something that I understand very well. Where it's like, I can't really go out into, you're thinking like, I can't really go out into a big crowd of people and just preach. I had a pastor uh, several years ago who could go into like a crowded mall of like a thousand people and have like 950 friends. Like, that, that's Pastor Dan, somebody I know. That's who he was because he had that personality, that, that magnetism. I do not have that because I feel very nervous and anxious sometimes. And so it's hard for me. And yet God works through me in different ways. He helps me in smaller groups. He helps me to not die when I preach. He helps me to, to speak for him. He helps me to live for him. And so that's important. He will help you in whatever way, whatever your circumstance, whether it's, it's a, a, an emotional disorder, whether it's something that you struggle with, whether it's a home life, whether it's a, a job life, whether it's feeling stuck, whatever it is, he will work through that because he worked through a murderer, Moses. He worked through someone who lied, Abraham. He worked through Paul, who again was a murderer and who was stuck in prison in his home. And he still worked through them because people came in and was like, wow, this guy should be like, life sucks, but he's like, follow Jesus. People notice that. They watch us and they notice that. Last part of the scripture. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all, welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Paul's life could have gone so differently. And it's one of the reasons that I love talking about him. Because A, he could have just not listened to Jesus in the first place. He could have said, oh, I must have not had enough water to drink, so there's no way I actually heard a voice. And, and the sun burned my eyes, and so I can't see. And so he could have made excuses. And like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Because we like to keep doing what we're doing. We like to be right. We like to be in control. But he didn't. He's like, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to change my life completely. And along the path, the first time he got arrested, the first time he got told that he was awful, he could have said, oh, man, it's not working. I give up. But he kept going. He kept standing up. The first time that he almost died, he could have said, oh, I gave almost my entire life to this. I'm, I'm going to retire. But he didn't. And so when he's near the end of his life and he's stuck in his home, he can't go anywhere literally, legally, in any way. He does not give up, not because of who he is, but because of who he serves. And so it says that he talked and helped to everyone who came to visit him. He couldn't go out and see them. And yet, because he still had that in his heart, he still helped so many people. And I would say that out of all of the Christians in the history of time, obviously Jesus has reached the most people. But Paul is probably right up there at the top in terms of influence. He wrote half of the New Testament. 
His words from Jesus made a huge impact on so many people. And he could have given up several times over. You are going to have disappointments in your life. You are going to have failures in your life. You are going to have times where you feel stuck. Stuck in a job. Stuck in a situation. Stuck in a home. Stuck in school. Stuck not being in school. You're going to have those feelings in your life. That does not make you a failure. It makes you a human. Because the adults will tell you, yeah, you have those feelings in life. You do sometimes, and yet what you do in those times define what your journey is going to be. You can give up and hate everybody and say, I don't care about anything, or you can go forward and say, you know what? I'm going to make the most of this, and I'm going to be the best person I can be, and when I get an opportunity to to do the next thing, I'm going to take it. And that is what we all should do, whether you're a teenager, an adult, an old person, probably not a baby, but whatever it is, When you have the opportunities, take them. But when you don't, don't give up because you are not a failure. You are not a loser. You are not worthless. You are worth it and you are enough just as you are. And God will work through you no matter who you think you are because he sees your pure value. And so try to see that for yourself and try to help other people see it too. And that is how we can be like Paul. And most importantly, that's how we can be like Jesus. That's all I got. (laughs) Yep. <laughs>